right, ready? I'm ready. All right. Little dog with your big brown eyes, you're the bright yellow sun when all I see is gray skies. Won't you teach me how to be a little more like you? How to always see the best in people no matter what they do. How to size up every stranger I meet. How to know when to bite or when to just show my teeth. Life gets so hard sometimes, but it's not that I can't handle with you by my side. She doesn't ask me why I'm feeling blue. I don't have to say a word and she understands. If I can be half the person my dog is, then I would be twice the human I That's singer-songwriter Chris Matthews. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. I first heard of Chris Matthews when I was putting together an online story about the NEA Regional Touring Program for NEA Arts. The NEA Regional Touring Program is where the NEA partners with the six regional arts organizations to bring access to diverse and excellent performing arts to all Americans, particularly those in underserved communities. Anyway, Chris Matthews was one of the artists who participated in the program, and after I heard her music, I knew I wanted to speak with her. Her music is multifaceted. Sometimes Americana, sometimes folk can have undercurrents of blues, bluegrass, funk, and country soul. Her lyrics are wide open, bold, and embracing, a lot like her performances. And people are taking notice. In 2017, Chris Matthews was the grand prize winner in the New Song Music and Performance Competition. She's performed twice at the Sundance Film Festival's ASCAP Music Cafe, and she was showcased at the 2018 Northeast Regional Folk Alliance. And never doing anything by halves, Chris simultaneously released both an EP, Battle Hymn for an Army of Lovers, which tackles social justice issues, and she also released a full-length album, The Imagineers, which are songs about love, life, and her dog. By My Side is one of the songs from the Imagineers. <laughs> yes, it is. So tell me about the dog you wrote You wrote about. So that song is about my dog, Juice. Her official name is Olive, but she's such a ham. Juice, Juice is much more her personality, and uh, she's amazing. I've had her since she was eight weeks old. She's 12 now, and uh, she is just the best little sidekick I could have ever hoped for. She has been with me through some of the most intense moments in my life and uh, hopefully we'll be there for a couple of other really big ones and she's just incredible she just has so much love in her day in and day out nonstop. <laughs> what kind of a dog is it <laughs> so she's a rescue so we think she's uh, like a beagle boxer mix with a little bit of whippet she is fast as lightning she has a similar similar coloring to a, a boxer overall, but she has her four little white paws and white tip tail and little wrinkly head like a like a beagle. Yeah, I have a rescue that's a cocker spaniel basset hound mix. Wow. She's so funny looking. <laughs> she really is. Of course, I adore her. 
Chris, where were you born and raised? Born and raised in southeastern North Carolina, um, a little tiny town called Richlands, North Carolina, the town of perfect water. Lived in North Carolina my entire life until uh, 10 years ago when I became a resident of Herndon, Virginia. And what music did you listen to growing up? Oh, my gosh. Well, my mom's a preacher, so I listened to a lot of gospel music, but I also listened to a lot of really fantastic soul music. I'm a huge Otis Redding fan, huge Aretha Franklin fan, all kinds. My iPod is a, a funny thing. It's got kind of an eclectic mix of everything from like the 1812 Overture to like a tiny bit of Marilyn Manson to Otis and Aretha. It's pretty eclectic. <laughs> I would imagine if you're growing up a preacher's kid, you're listening to a lot of music quite deeply. Yeah. And I wonder if that made you understand early on the power that music had in most terms definitely. of people together. Yeah, most definitely. That was always my favorite part of church was the music, always. And it was just so incredible to see people be so moved by the messages in the songs, in a lot of instances more so than they were moved by the message from the preacher. And so, yeah, I think very early on I was able to see often just how incredibly impactful music could be. Was there a moment when you thought, this is what I want? Yes. So that is a very serendipitous set of steps. So in sixth grade, I learned uh, how to play clarinet. And pretty much as soon as I started playing clarinet, I was convinced that the only thing I wanted to do in this world was be a high school band director. And so I went to school for music education at Appalachian State University. And my roommate, my sophomore year, was a percussionist who was also in this band. And so this one night, they needed a fill-in keyboard player for this gig. And so it, it, as a music education major, you have to have pretty good chops in several different instruments. And because growing up in the church, I could play keys fairly well anyway. So she asked if I could fill in for the gig. I said I could. And she said, okay, and we need you to sing one song too. And I said, all right, that's fine. I can do it. And so we played this one gig. It is literally the only gig this band configuration ever played. And it was truly the night that kind of set me along a completely different course with music. It was incredible, the feeling of, of being on that stage and singing and having people respond to the music and to me singing. And so I went and wrote my very first song on the keys because that's what I could play that wasn't a clarinet. And I uh, entered it in the Campus Talent Show at App and won first place and won 500 bucks, which is like a million college dollars. And the rest is history. I kept writing and, and trying to get better and better at it. And then eventually I uh, taught myself guitar and started playing uh, songs and writing songs on guitar. And here, 10, 11 years later, gosh, it's been quite a journey. It's been amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> so how would you describe your music, the music that you create? So it's such an interesting combination of, of genres. A lot of the, the music now, the social justice music, kind of has a very throwback to traditional folk in that sense that it's telling stories. The music of the people, uh, folk music has a beautiful history of, of justice and music, a marriage of those two things. So some of the things now are, are feeling a little bit more folky than they used to, but there is a lot of blues influence in there, a lot of Americana. Um, I lived in Boone, North Carolina for 12 years, so there's a nice little hint of bluegrass in there as well. So I heard that. Oh, I yeah. definitely heard that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, when people ask, they're like, well, what, who do you sound like? Who do you sound like? I always joke and say, because I get compared to Tracy Chapman all the time. I just would love to be getting her royalty checks, but <laughs> that's fine. There's time for that. But uh, I always say it's it's like Tracy Chapman, but just not quite so sad lyrically. So, 
<laughs> Tell me about your band yeah. and the people you play with. So my band right now consists of uh, Mark Williams, who's also uh, my producer. He produced my last two projects, Battle Hymn for an Army of Lovers and The Imagineers. Uh, he's my lead guitarist as well. Ben Tufts, who is a staple of the DC music scene. Uh, he must be in 40 different bands. He is such a phenomenal drummer. Uh, Graham Drew is my bassist. Then also Wes Lanick, uh, who actually just recently moved to Colorado, is my keyboard player. And how do you choose who to play with? That's yeah, a big deal. It is, because it's like, you know, who, who do you want handling your babies day in and day out, you know? Thankfully, Mark has been just such an amazing partner to me uh, in, in this music endeavor. He understands my music and what it is I, I hope to do with my music so beautifully. Ben, I've known for a long time, so he, he's an easy choice. He always just treats my songs so perfectly. So he just has such a great intuition with what it is I, I like and what I want to convey and how I want the music overall to feel. He just is so good at that. And so between Ben and Mark, you know, they are just always so helpful in finding people who are similar, similar minds, similar spirits, people who will kind of feel the music a similar way and be able to just kind of organically translate what it is I'm trying to say into music and into melody. So it's just so great having those two guys in my corner. I'm curious about your writing process. Mm -hmm. um, tell me tell me what inspires you. So I am horrible at prompt writing. So most of my music is very, very cathartic. It's, it's usually just a, a case of needing to vent about something and not being always the best with just talking about it. It's always easier for me to talk with a guitar in my hand and a song. And so more often than not, it's just me trying to get something out that I'm feeling really strongly about. Anything from love songs and, and sweet songs about life and growing uh, to the social justice stuff, they all kind of come about the same way. I, I kind of just have a moment where something, I, I just can't stop thinking about it or just need to say something or do something. And uh, sometimes the melody comes first, but most of the time the lyrics come first and I'm just writing, writing, writing until I feel better. And then usually by the time I look up, the song is pretty much done. So, Do you write on the keyboard or with a guitar? I actually write on guitar. Yeah, I haven't gotten to play keys in a long time. So yeah, almost everything now is written on guitar. I'm curious because you're a singer songwriter. So there's the more interior part of writing. And then ta-da, you got to perform it. <laughs> Bam, there's an audience. Tell yeah. me about performing and how you feel on a stage? You know, it's, for me, I'm not one of those great showman type performers. You know, I'm very, very reserved and internalized when I'm, when I'm playing. My mom is always like, you always have your eyes closed. You're always feeling it so deeply. Like we can see it so deeply. And it, for me, the experience of, of performing, it's always when I get to the very last chord, the very last note of the song, and you can hear just a subtle sigh or just this quiet like they just got it they just got whatever it was I was just trying to say to them that's the that's the thing for me that I love about the performance it's not the applause or any of that it's literally having a conversation with a group of strangers and finding that they get it that they get what you're trying to say do you interact with the audience as you're doing yeah Oh, yeah. And tell me so, how that works for you. Yeah. So there are a couple of the songs now that I, they have kind of like sing-alongs built into them, which is very, very fun. And so uh, I get to kind of teach the audience the lyrics ahead of time, and then we get to sing together, and you can hear them get more and more confident throughout the song and start singing louder and louder and louder. 
And uh, it's just so fun. You know, music is made to be listened to, but some music is made to be shared. And so it's really fantastic just kind of watching an audience feel comfortable enough with one another and safe enough with one another to actually sing out and sing with you. You know, people get so shy about singing sometimes when that's not their chosen profession, but it's it's a really powerful thing hearing so many people lift their voices with you collectively. It's really great. I just love live performance dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you can feel literally the energy from the audience. Absolutely. And it's hard to talk about, but can you talk about the way that can actually shape the performance? Absolutely. So I hate writing set lists. So I almost always will avoid writing a set list until I can get a chance to be in the room, until I can be in the space, until I can feel that energy in the room. And almost every time I play, it's shaped by who is going to be in the room that night. If I try to write a set list, every time I think, okay, this is great, I got it, I've nailed it, this is the set list, it's gonna be this tonight. And I walk onto that stage and I feel those beings in that room and every time, it just deviates, like every time, it deviates. I can write a set list and say, I'm definitely gonna adhere to this. And the energy that the people bring with them, you know, whether they've had loss like unexpectedly, some people have had just really great news unexpectedly, you kind of, feel bits of that. You know, on the one hand, it sounds very, what I like to call just very hippie-esque, but on the other hand, it's very science-y, you know, it's, it's very true, that transference of energy. You know, you can feel that joy get taken from somebody else and passed on to others. You can feel some of that sorrow leave somebody else when they're able to just exhale a little bit with other people around them. And so all of that energy ends up making its way into into the set night after night. No matter what I try to do, I, I still find every single show I end up just randomly for whatever reason because of what I'm feeling from them changing a song. And it always ends up being a song that somebody comes up at the end of the night and it's like that song really spoke to me. Always. It's so interesting to me. Completely unfair question. You can just say, Pfft. but do you feel more at home as a songwriter writing the songs or on the stage giving it out? Or is it really oh, the same to you? You know, for me, it's, it's probably the same. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm selling the songs to other people to sing. So pretty much all of my songs are heard through my voice um, at this point. So I guess because of that, both sides of those things kind of feel the same right now. Your album, The Imagineers, mm -hmm. your recent album, tell me first of all the title. Yeah. So The Imagineers is kind of the, the coupling of the left and the right brain. I like to say it's for everybody walking that thin line between your daydreams and your day jobs. You know, you find yourself sometimes in life uh, having to do the, the adult stuff day in, day out, doing the nine to five. Like you have to do those things and you know you have to do those things. But you have this other really lovely, whimsical side to yourself that just wants to do something fun or freeing that just makes you feel good. And it's sometimes a difficult thing balancing those two sides of yourself. And so the Imagineer is, is kind of a combination of the, uh, the imaginative and the engineer. And so it is kind of the hybrid of those two things, of the left and the right brain, of the, the dreamer and the doer. Well, the Imagineer is also as a title track. And I'm, I'm just curious, did anything or anyone in particular inspire it? Yeah, uh, that song came about uh, because of these two incredible women, one of whom is my wife, who had just a really interesting dynamic in their careers. They're both very driven, very focused women who also have these really beautiful, whimsical sides to them. 
And it can be so hard to make space for that other side when you have to be so serious, when you have to be so driven, when you have to be so focused, and sometimes for women more so. Uh, and so they, they kind of were the inspiration uh, behind that song. That lyric that's uh, pulled from a, an Asian proverb that says you're like water carving stone. You know you wield your power quietly. What if I showed you how five years from now we'll look? And what if I told you to throw out all those self-help books? Because you've been banging your head against your corner office wall. Some folks don't know how to feel big unless they're making you feel small. But you are more than just your day job, more than what it is they see. You're like water carving stone. You wield your power quietly. Give up. Get up, get let down, or get out. Do nothing or do something you've been too afraid to do till now. The Imagineers, I, I love that song so much. And uh, a lot of people respond to that song, so it's always nice when other people kind of feel like that. And you still, they, they're like, oh, you're speaking to me. I get it. Well, A, it's a wonderful song, and oh, B, it's you. a fabulous album. Actually, the song, The Imagineers, leads me to asking you, when were you able to start supporting yourself with music? And many congratulations, an artist who can support herself (laughs) through her art. This is a rare thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I started doing music full time about five years ago. And uh, thankfully, uh, with the support of my wife, who has the grown up job, as I like to call it. And, uh, you know, she's always been so supportive of me and just has always believed in my music and and what it is I try to do with my music. And so it was kind of a a scary conversation because she's a Virgo and she does not like the unknown. She likes a plan 20 years out. (laughs) And what are you? I'm an Aries. So hard headed and just an interesting juxtaposition to her very sensible self. But she's so great. She just believes in me so much. And, you know, she just trusted and took the leap with me. And it has truly been just a beautiful, beautiful unfolding of of fate doing what it will do. And literally from the time I stopped doing anything but music, it's just been a beautiful uphill, wonderful escalation since then. So I won the uh, New Song Music and Performance Competition. There were 5,000 entrants into that contest. The finals were at Lincoln Center. I was one of 10 finalists out of 5,000 songwriters. I was thinking I had done pretty well just to get to play at Lincoln Center and was really excited about that. Went up to Lincoln Center and won the whole thing. And it's just been an amazing trajectory since then, just getting to play so many amazing venues, getting to meet so many incredible people. I just got back from a, a riverboat cruise, literally getting to play music on a riverboat cruise from Paris to Normandy. Are you kidding me? I am not. It was, you know, it's a, it's a hard gig. Hard gig, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Incredible. And it's just been amazing. You know, it's it's a scary thing to, to think that you doing something that, gosh, there must be 100,000 songwriters in America alone, you know? Oh, easily. Yeah, you know, just thinking that you are doing something that so many other people do and do so very well, are able to reach enough people, are able to inspire and encourage enough people that you have this beautiful support community behind you who believes in your work and believes in your art and is willing to make sure you get to to keep a roof over your head with your art. It's it's incredible. I feel so very blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. What was your day job? So actually, uh, the most recent day job that I ever had, I actually worked at a paint store. I'm a phenomenal paint mixer, like phenomenal color matcher. The precision is amazing. 
so good. I miss it some days, but, you know, this is better. This you is have to fun. give up something yeah. for something. <laughs> now, how do you go about finding work for yourself? Are people reaching out to you? Do you have to send things out? So It's hard. Yeah, so that's another one of the amazing things uh, that have happened in the, these past most recent two years. So I actually got picked up by a Fleming artist, uh, Jim Fleming has uh, been a booking agent for almost, well, actually, I think more than three decades. Uh, he booked uh, Ani DeFranco for 25 years. He represents Holly Near. He represents Chef Daniels. He has phenomenal artists on his roster, and I am humbled beyond belief to be one of those. And so it is, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to be able to have somebody kind of take care of that part of it. For a while there as an indie songwriter, you know, I was kind of wearing like five different hats. You know, I'm writing the songs, I'm singing the songs, I'm recording the songs, promoting them, I'm booking the shows, I'm promoting the shows, I'm scheduling. I'm getting the band you together, know? I'm exactly. paying the band. <laughs> exactly. It's so overwhelming. And so the booking component is such, such a load off the shoulders to have somebody else uh, doing that in general and to have somebody that's just so amazing at it as Jim to be in my corner. It's been just a godsend. Chris, you've performed as part of the NEA Regional Touring Program a few times. And I'm curious about the program from your perspective as a performer. It's been so exciting. Um, I've gotten to go to a, a couple of regions that I don't get to play very often because some of the presenters who aren't necessarily able to, to have it in the budget to bring an artist uh, that's not from closer to home in are able to do so. And it's, it's just been great. Who are the audiences? Is it even possible to generalize? The communities are so different. For example, in, in West Virginia, the community that I was playing to was so diverse in age uh, and background. It, it was really almost like getting to play for a small swath of America. It was very, very cool. Uh, but all there together to experience the music and to enjoy it together. I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about music is that oftentimes when we're not able to find commonalities in any other place, we're so very easily able to find them in music and in the, the way that certain things speak to us collectively. It's really beautiful to watch. We all know art is a two-way street, so mm -hmm. I'm wondering what you've learned as an artist going out into these communities. So it's been a, a really gentle reminder to not be presumptuous about who is in those different places to give to give them a chance, just like they'll give me and my music a chance, because uh, more often than not, I'm very pleasantly surprised, and I tend to find they are too. Uh, it's been really, really lovely to get a chance to share my, my work with those different communities and have it be received with them with such open hearts and arms. And has it had any impact on, on the way you write or what you write? Actually, yes. My most recent song, actually my most recent two songs, are actually just about meeting people where they are and about just kind of opening yourself up to life and to the experience of life. So it's been a, a nice, lovely, just getting glimpses of that, that humanity, you know, that beautiful, beautiful humanity, just getting to be reminded of that. Why don't you sing one of those? Yeah, we'll do. That's a that, good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> this might be a good time to play. Yeah, do a little singing. Yeah, Let's do a little sing singing. <laughs> so this song is called Exactly Where You Are. And I wrote this song after my very first train ride in the United States. And uh, when I was 18, I, I took a, a train in Europe, but I had never been on a train here at home. And I was going on the Coast Starlight from San Francisco all the way up to Corvallis, Oregon. And it was just this lovely, transformative experience. And when I got where I was going, this song was waiting for me.
I've traveled all across this land Up the cold coast and back home again Found common ground around every bend And far fewer strangers than I found friends A little princess drawing at breakfast with Really nice, <laughs> really nice. Thank Thanks you. So no, thank you. <laughs> Is there a favorite gig that you've had? Oh, definitely. Definitely playing the Kennedy Center was like the gig of a lifetime. Tell me about that. I want to hear everything. <laughs> so because of the partnership with winning new song at the competition I was telling you about at Lincoln Center, they have a partnership with uh, the Millennium Stage at the Kennedy Center. And so uh, as the, the reigning champion, I got the chance to uh, play on that stage with my band. And it was the most amazing night. I was smiles from the time I woke up to the the time I went to bed three days later. Just so amazing. It was incredible to get to play in that space and such an honor. And to get to to sing all, all original songs, to get to sing my songs. Uh, it was just amazing. That That is definitely, hands down, without any hesitation, as of right now, the gig that I am most proud of is getting to play that. And do you ever cover any other songs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, actually. Do. So uh, I'll be at the Pub and People, which is a local spot in D.C., on Sunday, and I'll be doing some covers for that gig. I, I play Vineyard sometimes. That's like my bread and butter gig, like my punch in the clock. You know, mm-hmm. I'll play some some vineyards and things like that when I'm close to home and don't have to travel anywhere and so those gigs are fun you're just kind of part of the ambiance so uh, folks when they're sipping on their wine and enjoying the gorgeous views out there they just like to hear things that they're familiar with so i, I try to do everything from uh, otis and aretha to uh to maroon five and and contemporary stuff so I try to cover the gamut it's a lot of fun oh that would be yeah. what a beautiful place to do oh, yeah, it yeah for sure what is next so i have an ep coming out uh, called these old hands i'm so excited about it this is such a different uh project than all of the other ones that i have out uh, this will be my eighth project, my eighth release. And These Old Hands is just a collection of like breakup songs and just heartbreak songs, but they're so beautiful. And so I'm interested to see uh, people's response to to those songs because they are such a departure for me uh, as far as the content. And are they original? Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, but they're so beautiful. And so I'm so excited about it. Uh, and the arrangements of, of some of them are so different from everything I've ever done. So uh, it's one of those things where it's kind of scary when you're doing something that's not like what your quote unquote usual sound is. But I never have tried to make myself box into any kind of specific genre. The song just comes out how it comes out so sometimes it comes out like a blues song sometimes it comes out like Americana sometimes it comes out like straight country and so I, I never you know try to predispose myself to having a specific type of song so that's also another interesting component to these old hands there's there's one song in particular that's up there that almost feels like alt rock 
And so it's going to be so interesting. I'm so excited about it, and I'm so proud of those songs, but I'm really mostly just fascinated to see what the what the people who have known my music for so long think about it. What their reaction yeah. is going to be. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. It's exciting. Well, Chris, it was such a pleasure. <laughs> Thank truly. you so much, Joe. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Really. That's singer-songwriter Chris Matthews. You can find out what she's up to by going to her website, chrismatthews.com. And she spells Chris, C-R-Y-S. And you can find out more about the NEA Regional Touring Program in the current issue of NEA Arts. It's on our website at arts.gov. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. You can subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcast, so I wish you would, and that you'd leave us a rating on Apple because it helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. <laughs>